Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. of the Sports Rivals. For Ernie, I'm Monty, and we're ready to talk sports. Again, for all of you listening in on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, we want to thank you for tuning in. We are, again, excited to be wrapping up around our first month with the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Don't forget to check out uh, Kule and Alan every weekday morning from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Wake Up in the Den. Again, that's 95.1 FM and 7.60 AM on the AM dial. Also, the home of HPU Sports, OIA Sports, and check this out. Dallas Cowboys, USC Football, Clipper Basketball, and Anaheim Angel Baseball. Again, that's the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We're excited to be a part of it, Ernie. And the excitement for me extended to last night's University of Hawaii's convincing 31-16 victory over Nevada. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, last last week when they, you know, narrowly uh, got that uh, that L, I mean, everything was, you know, we were talking about, you know, positive losses. And lo and behold, it you know, it turns out that uh, they did ride the momentum. Uh and in convincing fashion, going into into uh, Nevada and putting up a very convincing win, especially in the first half, scoring that 21 points in the first half was really a positive sign. And then continuing that momentum all the way into the fourth quarter, you know, it, it, it wasn't it you know it, it wasn't close. They shut them out on the fourth quarter. And producing 10 points of their own, good win for the Rainbow Warriors. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's exciting. If you're a University of Hawaii fan, as all of us here in Hawaii are, you have to be really excited. What Ernie was alluding to is last week we were talking about like a moral victory. The fact that they went to San Diego and kept that game close, lost on a last-second field goal. Um, But to come home and put up a convincing win, and I think last week we alluded to the fact that Zion Bauer seems to have made a difference on the offensive side. And maybe he has. But I think the biggest difference over the last two weeks for the Rainbow Warriors is their defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, they held Nevada to 280 total yards. Offensively, yes, Bowens had another long touchdown. He had another good game. But there was some balance. Little under 200 yards passing. Little under 200 yards rushing. Parsons with three rushing touchdowns. Nice, balanced offense. The offensive line seems to be gelling. The defense seems to be gelling. I didn't see this coming. Me neither. I mean, it was a really tough opening five weeks. They're lucky to beat Duquesne, um, you know, a small school. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're turning it around. And don't look down, Ernie. Everyone else on their schedule, they opened as a six and a half point dog going up to Colorado State next week. Mm-hmm. But everyone else on their schedule, there's no one that's insurmountable. They can really be in all of these games going down the stretch. Oh, definitely, especially against Col- especially against Colorado State. Colorado State has has only one win on the season. Uh, they haven't won any games at home, so you know that doesn't you know it's really not a home field advantage in my opinion. Uh, UH is riding off of, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, off of uh, Zion Bowens coming back. Diedrich Parsons, over 200 combined yards rushing and receiving uh, in, in his last game. Uh, good things are to happen. You mentioned the defense. If all that comes together, uh, this could be this could be the game that turns the season around. And, and I don't put it past. I mean, I'm surprised the way. Timmy Chang has his team motivated. They're not giving up when it looked like they were giving up earlier in the year. They have, they have that pride. They are. They're playing with a tremendous amount of pride. And as someone from Hawaii, we take pride in their pride. Uh, and we're so excited for the brotherhood. Again, two consecutive terrific weeks as they rebound from the probably the basement, that New Mexico State game when they were they lost to what had been Considered the worst team in college football. They went up there and lost convincingly. Then gave San Diego State all they could handle. They beat Nevada. And Ernie, here, here's the rest of their schedule. At Colorado State. At home for Wyoming. At Fresno. 
at home for Utah State and UNLV at San Jose State. I mean, San Jose State looks to be the best team in the Mountain West, but I think top to bottom, the entire Mountain West is struggling this year. Mm -hmm. So there are no really strong teams, and that includes Boise State, who are not on the schedule. So let's hope the Rainbow Warriors can go up to Colorado State, continue this momentum, and hopefully string together some wins, and maybe the Aloha Bowl is not, the Hawaii Bowl is not out of the question. Yeah, I mean, and even if it is out of the question, I just want them to gain momentum. I want Timothy to have enough clout after this season that he could bring in the recruits that he wants to build this team. Uh, I'm not expecting this year. I'm looking at long, this as a long-term project. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean long term. I, I really expect hopefully success next year or the year afterwards. Uh, it's, it's it's only been a couple of games that it's been trending this way. I'm thinking that it's hopeful that this can continue and, you know, the good vibes keep on coming for years to come. Well, I know we're the two of us are super excited. So the sports rivals have got your back, Rainbow Warriors. We are completely on board with the brotherhood. So college football, though, Ernie, wild weekend. Alabama goes to Tennessee. Tennessee knocks off Alabama. USC goes to Utah. Utah knocks off USC uh, on a last-second touchdown and two-point conversion. And then Michigan-Penn State, battle of top 10 teams in the Big Ten. Michigan blows out Penn State. What do you think? I mean, the polls show Tennessee's up to number three now. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Clemson. And Michigan are your top five teams. See, and that, and to me, that is good. Alabama is going to have to work their way back into the college football playoff system, and you know, see where they vie for uh, as far as their seeding goes when they head into postseason. If they even make it at all, if they, they they still have the potential to slip up, especially during the conference plays. But it's 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 refreshing that I mean, not that I'm an Alabama hater or anything like that. I just like to see uh, things like this because I believe in a in a, an expanded playoff system. Uh, we mentioned this in prior podcasts. Seeing the same teams over and over can get quite boring. I think it's good for the overall health of college football that other teams potentially get the chance. Uh, Georgia showed that they can make be a, another dominant team out there. I mean, they haven't been in, in you know in the big dance as much as Alabama, Clemson in the prior years. So I thought Tennessee did college football a thumbs up in regards to their effort yesterday, uh, albeit a, a, a close game, but 49-52, go Vols. I mean, I think right now, I think the Alabama loss to Tennessee, the SEC West is the hardest division in all of college football. And I think the fact that Tennessee has beaten Alabama is going to make Alabama's road to the playoff extremely difficult Mm -hmm. because Tennessee will always have that victory over Alabama. So Tennessee is going to have to lose twice to allow Alabama to get back into the championship game against Georgia. And uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, Alabama's essentially going to have to win out from here and get some help from Tennessee Tennessee, in order for them to make the Final Four. Georgia looks like... They've responded. Ohio State looks like they're really strong. That Ohio State-Michigan battle is going to be gangbusters. Clemson continues to win, but I think everyone understands that the ACC is not quite the Big Ten or the SEC. So I actually have Clemson as the weakest of those teams in the top five. Uh, But you're right. Alabama's number six now. Not out of it by any stretch, but it's going to be an uphill battle. But that's the beauty. As we head towards the end of October into November, that's when the playoffs start to take shape. Right now, I think it's clear that Ohio State and Georgia, to me, seems to be a little bit above everyone else. Tennessee's a great story at Mm -hmm. number three with Josh Heupel as the coach. Michigan seems to be powerful as well. Um, Those four teams, to me, are the playoff teams as of right now. I agree. I agree with you. I don't even think it's close. I I mean, I I think Georgia and Ohio State are are really putting on the afterburners as far as, you know, showing their prowess against the rest of the, the, the competition. Uh, and that doesn't mean they're going to win it all, that I'm picking uh, either one of those teams to win it all. Uh, I just say at this point in time, uh, there's still November and early part of December to be played. 
unfortunately, injuries happen that might have to play into effect come uh, you know the bowl season come January. But it makes it at least very uh, a little bit more interesting now, you know, as far as how these seedings come into play because we all know the juggernaut is Alabama. It has been for for Most over a de- over a decade, you know, and if they if they are on the outside looking in. Uh, people st- tend to think a little bit more. They tend to think a little bit more. Uh, it, it's it's wearing the shoe on the other foot uh, as far as, you know, the haves and have-nots as far as bowl seedings are concerned. So uh, I think it's good for college football. So let's see where what comes about. Uh, still a lot of the season to go, but... Uh, I like where it's happening, what's happening right now. Yep, absolutely. Again, gang, you're listening to the Sports Rivals for Ernie, I am Monty. And let's talk to a much more somber topic, Ernie. Major League Baseball playoffs. I was telling Ernie, I told you guys last week that I had real hesitation about the Dodgers. They've won 111 games, the biggest run differential since 1939 Yankees. And I just had a feeling that they were not going to stack up when it came to the playoffs. And you guys are going to get, you're going to call me a non-fan, but check this out. I was so convinced that the, the Dodgers were going to struggle in the playoffs that I refused to watch any of the National League Divisional Series. <laughs> it was important for my mental health not to put myself through the inevitable which is what happened. Dodgers win game one. Padres win three straight. Dodgers had a 3-0 lead in the seventh inning last night. Give up a five spot in the seventh. And uh, San Diego rolls. Now you have the sixth seed Phillies and the fifth, fifth seed, seed Padres in the National League Championship Series. Who would have thunk? In the American League, the Yankees hung on today. So it goes back to an all-deciding game five tomorrow in New York. Houston wins a tough three-game series last night in 18 innings. They finally win 1-0, knocking off the Mariners. But, Ernie, painful. My Dodgers now, they did win the 2020 World Series in a strike-shortened season. But check this out, gang. In 2019, 106 wins. They lose in the National League Divisional Series. 2021, 106 wins. They lose in the National League Championship Series. 2022, 111 wins, and they lose in the first round. It is painful for us Dodger fans <laughs> to have that many wins when it doesn't matter and not be able to get it done when it does. No, I mean, I, uh, the way you were going out through the regular season, I mean, I, 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 I sense pride, but I, I, I seen the conservatism heading into the playoffs. I mean, you, you did mention... You know the timely pitching that can uh, derail the Dodgers, and it it happened. I mean, I'll I, I I'll I'll be fair. I mean, last week I said I'd be shocked if the Philadelphia Phillies won more than a game. <laughs> they won three. So again, as mentioned, I mean, the fifth seed versus the sixth seed in the uh, the NLCS, and you know you got the number one Houston uh, Astros versus at least potentially the number two uh, Yankees or the number three. Uh, guardian so we'll see what happens this week uh, I want to find out what is your level of interest though in this World Series well right now I could care less <laughs> honestly I could care less I don't want Houston to win I, I, I'm I don't care between the Padres and the Phillies. Whoever wins, wins. And I'm not a Yankee fan. You know, I I like, I mean, the Guardians would be a nice story. I just think right now, Major League Baseball is hoping that the Yankees Yankees win. Because Yankees will create interest. Because the Astros, like it or not, as good as they are, they are still villainized uh, Mm -hmm. across the country. I don't think anyone is really wanting them to win. Um, so for me, the baseball season is now over. Yeah. <laughs> it's officially <laughs> over. And But the one thing that I have to say is I think even recently in football, we've kind of noticed this, that the number one seed doesn't often advance. That benefit, that benefit of not having to play and having rest seems to be backfiring. I mean, last year in the Super Bowl, we had the fourth-seeded Rams and the fifth-seeded Bengals Bengals in the Super Bowl. And this year in baseball, they tried a new format. They had expanded the wild card, 
and it really seemed to impact the Dodgers and the Braves who had the bye. Baseball is just not set up for this kind of a bye. Yeah. I mean, they play 162 games. They're used to playing every single day. All of a sudden, you have a week off. The other teams get to play, develop some confidence, develop some continuity, and you saw what that did for the Padres and the Phillies. They came in, and they not only beat the Dodgers and Braves, in the Braves' case especially, the Phillies rolled through the Braves. I mean, they blew them out. The Dodger games are relatively close, but the Padres won three straight. Right. I mean, there's something to say about momentum, um, and in, I don't know how to fix it. I mean, I don't think baseball is going to go backwards, but you almost don't want to be the top two seeds now. I think you can clearly see that. I think initially, you're like, we can set our pitching up, we can get our pitching where we want to be, but I think you clearly see that. The Braves didn't hit well. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers didn't hit well. Two for 29 with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, the Padres and Phillies roll. So something to think about next year. Maybe the Dodgers don't win 111 games. Maybe we win 88 like the Phillies and the Padres, and we get a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, could be, that could be the formula because even in football, I mean, last year your Rams, like you said, versus Cincinnati, and in basketball last year, the Boston Celtics were second. The Golden State Warriors were third, I believe. And the, the third seed one. So it, it follows all sports. That That's an interesting thing to look more deeper into. Does the number one seed really give you that much of an advantage? Because it looks like in all three major sports, it really hasn't been over the last couple, several years. Yeah, least. but at least in basketball, you have to play every round. You don't get a bye, so you're not sitting idle. But, but you're right. I mean, everyone works so hard to get that number one seed. Now, especially in baseball, we can kind of see that it really does not matter it's who's hot who has the best starting pitching who can hit in the clutch and the resounding answer was not the Dodgers <laughs> this year painful can you imagine if I actually watched these four games I would be beside myself I'd be actually am yeah, on my second cup of alcohol already as we talk about this but again we got to wait for the Yankees. Right. So the Yankees go back home. You know what? Anything can happen. But I think right now, whether it's the Yankees or the Guardians, I think Houston has to be the favorite. Mm-hmm. In the National League, I think the Padres at home are probably a slight favorite over the Phillies. But those teams are playing really well right now. Yeah. So who you, knows you don't know. who can win, who's going to win and represent the National League. All right, gang, you're listening to the Sports Rivals it's Ernie and Monty, and let's transition to the NFL, where this week, for Ernie and I at least, it was a reprieve from the depression of the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah. So I think let's start with Ernie's Steelers, because I think they were eight and a half point underdogs. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were coming into town. Steelers had lost four straight, but lo and behold, the Steelers pull off a victory. 20 to 18, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was that the final yeah, score? It was, it was over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to two and four. Exactly. When I came into this uh, watching this game. I, you know, when I when when I looked at the availability of the Steelers players, I mean, they had seven starters out. Pat Firemuth out on offense, and then later in the game, Kenny Pickett plus six defensive players out, including Minka Fitzpatrick, of course, T.J. Watt over the last five games. I wasn't going in with very high expectations. Lo and behold, their first drive, they go on a, a, a long drive and were able to score a touchdown, opening up the game 7-0. They held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in check. I mean, I really thought that this game could have easily have been won by Tampa Bay, but they, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for whatever reason, did not cross their T's or dot their I's. They continually were able to get in deep into Steelers' Uh, territory but come up with field goals other than touchdowns I mean there was commentary in the game that Tom Brady uh, was was visiting uh, I'm sorry went to uh, a wedding uh, of his uh, the I guess the former uh, the current owner of uh, I guess Bob was is Bob Kraft right. the current owner of uh, New England Patriots and he took a separate flight going to this particular game that that probably had some kind of mental effect in regards to the uh, the outcome of the game. If it did, that's on that's on Tom. You know, he should have came. He should either he shouldn't have done that, uh, or he should have played a better game. But like I said, there's two. We we were talking off the air. Two coaches out there 
who for whatever reason, whatever teams they come up with, they always seem to, I guess, end the season better than expected. And, you know, we're talking about Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. I mean, Bill, the New England Patriots played well again for the second week in a row, demolishing their opponent. And this week it's Mike Tomlin. You know, when, when it, all the arrows are pointing down, all the figure, fingers are pointing at you, they come up with this victory. So hats off to the Pittsburgh Steelers, my Pittsburgh Steelers, who I thought was going to suffer their first losing season. They're still 2-4 and four with a long way to go. They play Miami next week, uh, then a bye week before they play the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go off the edge here and say that they win at least one of those two games and they make it a competitive, at least realistic uh, season to you know have a winning record with their divisional opponent struggling you know right now so. well you you hit the nail on the coffin there so let's unpack this a little bit more when it comes to tom brady and the tampa bay they have not been able to get their offense on track the entire year there was a time they were making excuses that all the wide receivers were out they're all now back they're still struggling to score they're still struggling to score in the red zone and i think one thing that's clear is tom brady is not the same happy camper that he used to be no he's agitated continually he's frustrated he is going through a lot in his personal life um all the rumors say that he and Giselle have both hired divorce lawyers and that's not going well in terms of the family. He's frustrated with the offense. The interior of the offensive line is still not getting the job done. They're still struggling on offense. But I think one thing that can be said, and we alluded to this last week, the entire NFL is for the most part, 95% of the teams are all bunched together. Mm-hmm. Your Steelers are two and four. They had a four-game losing streak, and they're one game out of first. You have the Ravens at 3-3, and the Bengals after their win in New Orleans are 3-3, and and then the Steelers and the Browns are both 2-4, and right there in the hunt. Um, You mentioned that you play Miami. Miami started off 3-0. Tua gets hurt. They've now lost three straight. Signs point to Tua coming back for that Steeler game. He was cleared of concussion protocols. Held out uh, out of precaution since he didn't get any real practice time. We'll see if he actually plays or not. Mm-hmm. I actually hope they sit on out one more Me game. Too. Me too. Uh, and let Teddy play because Teddy seemed to do okay today. But Miami's 3-3. Three and three, And in that division, we're going to get to the Buffalo Bill-Kansas City game. But you have the Bills at 5-1 and one now. The New York Jets, Ernie, at 4-2 and two after going to Lambeau and putting a 27-10 whooping on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that, that was incredible. I mean, I, 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 I teased them. Right? I got to take that back. I mean, I, I was dogging them, saying that there, all these wins were with smoke and mirrors and everything. But I, I really believe that. You know, just looking at the, you know, their game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, I really, did, I really thought that was a game that the Steelers lost, not, not that the Jets won. Uh, but, you know, to do it this often against really quality opponents, in my opinion, they're doing a they're they're a surprise. I mean, I did I, I, I didn't I didn't really think that uh, uh, Wilson would uh, be this composed in his second year. But he's got he's hyped up his whole team, uh, even to the point where Sauce Gardner after the game starts wearing a cheese hat. I mean, in jest. But even if you, you look at that. Uh, uh, the interview after the game. The guy was in high spirits. He felt good. You know, he just gave off good vibes uh, and everything like that. They are not only playing winning football, they are thinking like a winning team. They are. And I think it's come down to Joe Douglas as the GM the last two years. Their drafts have been unbelievable. Zach Wilson is not turning the ball over right now. Mm-hmm. He's certainly any not even close to where he's going to be. But if you take a look at the draft picks over the last couple of years, um, Vera Tucker, the guard, is playing at an all-pro level. And he's moving around the line. He's going to be a pro bowler for sure this year. Maybe even a first-team all-pro the way that he's played. He was their second number one pick last year after Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson this year, we've seen him at wide receiver being productive. Mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner is the truth. He is the real deal he's going to be a pro bowl caliber player for a long time Quinton williams the number one pick from two years ago from alabama the defensive tackle two sacks today he's dominating from the defensive line standpoint they've got quality players on each level of that defense robert sala has you know he's a defensive minded coach he has them playing really well 
Brees Hall, second round pick this year. He's, he's balling yeah, out he over is. 100 yards yeah. um, today. Michael Carter, his companion in the backfield. He was two touchdowns last week. He's strong. The Jets have stockpiled some talent, and this 4-2 record is not a mirage. They're in the playoff hunt in the AFC. Yeah, it's gonna, to me, it's going to be a matter. Uh, to me, when, when you're this young, though, it, it's, it's consistency is what's holding you back from being a really great team. They definitely have the talent. When they're clicking on all cylinders, they're a very good team. Now... They just need the leadership. They need everybody to be kept in check. You know, uh, keep that hunger going. Uh, if they can maintain that, because their quarterback is young. All those players that you mentioned, they are all first, second, third year players out there. Uh, that is the core of the quality of their team. If they can find a true leader, somebody in that in that locker room, even if it be uh, their coach Salah, if they can maintain that, this is going to be a good team. For a long time. Yeah, I mean, that AFC East is going to be just nuts. Yeah. If Miami can stay healthy, you see the development of the Jets, the Bills aren't going anywhere no. for years to come. And before we get to the two Bill, the, the big games, the Bills Chiefs, the Dallas and Philly games, let's talk a little bit about my Rams. After a couple of atrocious weeks, the Rams find a way to eke out a 24 to 10 win. But not before they lost their starting left tackle, who was carted <laughs> off the field today. So again, check this out. The right guard, the center, the left guard, and the left tackle are all now on IR for the Rams. The backup guard is on IR for the Rams. We're starting a third string center who was in the police academy last year. And we're starting a center, I mean a, a right guard now, that was not on an NFL team two weeks ago. That's the Rams offensive line. I was telling Ernie yesterday off the air that the Rams offensive line is the second worst rated offensive line in the history of the NFL. Through five weeks, they allowed 84 pressures of Matt Stafford. And you know Matt Stafford. He's not afraid to give up a touchdown going the opposite direction, which happened today. He threw another pick six. The Carolina Panthers went up 10-7. And from that moment on, the Rams dominated defensively. They dominated the game. Offensively, they got some rhythm. They got Allen Robinson going with five catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup, but he didn't have to do that much. Seven receptions, 80-plus yards. They were doing jet sweeps. They were being creative. Something that I had not seen from the Rams in a long time. But granted... It was the Carolina it Panthers. Was the Carolina but Panthers. as bad as the Rams have been, they're three and three tied now for first place in the West after the 49ers with all their injuries go into Atlanta. Marcus Mariota goes 13 for 14, two touchdowns, a running touchdown. They knock off the 49ers 28-14. Those Seahawks keep winning. So it's the 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams all at three and three. Carolina's at two and four. They do get DeAndre Hopkins back next week. We'll see what that happens. So as a Rams fan, considering the chaos of injuries, um, as healthy as the Rams have been over the last few years, this year has been a complete disaster. The offensive line has been a mess. The defensive secondary has been a mess. The fact that we're still tied for first, albeit three and three, I'll take that. I mean, <laughs> I'll take that. And in the, in the NFC where there's not a strong team, They've got a chance. That's I true. mean, they have a chance. That's true. And and, and even and no disrespect to Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia has been doing it in a, in a lot of close games. Uh, yeah, there's not really a let's just say there's not a dominant team out there in either side, if if you want to call because and I and I don't think you can say that the Buffalo Bills are being that you know they did struggle that one week against you know Indianapolis, but. I agree with you. I was a little scared for your Rams, though, in the first half. They were down at halftime. But, yeah, the Carolina pa Panthers, you know, putting in P.J. Walker and Jacob Eason as your quarterback. They're, you, you mentioned it during uh, our off-the-air conversation that their, their only structured offense came from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, when you have only one person that you need to scheme against, made it a lot more easier for the Rams. Congratulations to Rams. 24-10 win over there. So let's unpack the game that you alluded to with Dallas and Philadelphia. Philadelphia does beat Dallas. They jump out to a 20-0 lead 
as has been their their custom though they go up 20 to 0 Dallas comes back to 20 to 17 entering the fourth quarter Philadelphia scores another touchdown gets a pick late they win 26 17 they go to 6 and 0 your thoughts on that game yeah and that's why I think I mean if Dallas if if Dallas was if well, I want to say Dallas let's let's say if Cooper Rush didn't throw that late game interception I think they at least challenged the Philadelphia Eagles in regards to uh, who wins that game. Uh, you know, that last-minute mistake where he threw that uh, dead duck into the air and the interception <laughs> is, is basically made. Uh, the Philadelphians are able to pull it off. But I, I'm scared if I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan. There's going to be a week where you're going to play a team where you're going to be down and I want to see how you react. Right now, you've been playing teams, you know, getting up on them early and week after week, I see these teams, all at Dallas, all at Atlanta the week before, come back and make it very interesting going into the fourth quarter. Now, it was an 11-point game. It was, I'm telling you, if you watched the beginning of that fourth quarter when it was uh, 20, was it 20 to 17? Yeah. yeah, I mean, if I was a Philadelphia fan, I was shaking in my boots because the Dallas Cowboys were marching before that interception. If that turned into a... A touchdown, that's a totally different game. But, you know, they made Philadelphia Eagles made the plays that they need to, to make, needed to make. They come away. They are the only undefeated team in the NFL at 6-0. But, albeit, you know, uh, in my opinion, not very convincing matter. There's, you know, there, there's, there's teams that when they smell blood, they put these games away. I have yet to see a game, Philadelphia uh, put out there where they smell blood and they put the team away. That hasn't happened. And th- th- those are the teams that are going to win the Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, they're 6-0. and I think they are a strong team, but they, they do seem to be playing really well in the first half, not as well in the second half. They lost Lane Johnson to a concussion at halftime. That made a difference because you could see Dallas had a lot more pressure in the second half. Um but they continue to win. I mm-hmm. mean, they continue to win. Jalen Hurts continues to not make the the, the big mistakes. Right. Uh, A.J. Brown continues to be productive with a touchdown. The Eagles go to 8-0. Dallas goes to 4-2. The Giants at 5-1 after beating the Ravens. That NFC East is the class of the NFL through the first six weeks. <laughs> I don't know how you could say anything different. Exactly. And in the most anticipated game, I think, so far... Buffalo Bills goes to Kansas City. Last week, you remember, my pick was Buffalo at Pickham. The spread went up to Buffalo minus three. It eventually closed at minus two and a half. So I switched my pick away from Buffalo. I wish I would have stayed there because <laughs> who I switched to got hammered uh, in the Packers. But Buffalo finds a way late. Josh Allen throws his third touchdown pass. And instead of Mahomes coming down and winning it, Throws an interception. interception Buffalo yeah. runs out the, the clock. 24-20 in a little lower scoring game than anticipated. But the Buffalo Bills stand tall. 5-1 now in the AFC. No, I, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just clicking. Josh Allen just continues to impress. I mean, even in the games that, uh, you know, he doesn't produce these big numbers, uh, he still, you can see the quality in, you know, uh, not only on, in his play, but his receiver's play. And that defense, that defense was giving Mahomes all he could handle. Uh, I mean, if not for the Kansas City crowd, who knows what this game could have been like. But but it really looked like throughout most of the game that, you know, Buffalo held that slight edge, that slight moxie and confidence that they were the better team to beat that day, even though they were playing in Kansas City's City's house. I really think Kansas City, uh, you know, needs to... uh, clean up some of the uh, their offensive uh, weapons out there to make them a little bit more a little bit more scary if you want to if you want to say that because right now Buffalo the Buffalo's offense seems like the they are at another level over Kansas City and we all know that Buffalo's defense is the real deal well they got 126 yards rushing today you know including 85 yards rushing out of Devin Singletary I think that's the key I think Josh Allen today shows why he's probably now the leader in the MVP race through the first six weeks I think people had talked about Lamar 
Can't be Lamar. Mm. Three and three. He's turning the ball over um, right now. I think it became Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen today, 27 of 43, 29, three touchdowns, no picks. Patrick Mahomes goes for 338 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. I think Josh Allen takes the lead now for the MVP. But more importantly, winning this game goes a long way towards Kansas City having to go through Buffalo instead of everyone over the last four years having to go through Kansas City. So I think this was a very important win for the Buffalo Bills if they can continue to win. And they're doing that on a week-by-week basis other than that one loss to the Miami Dolphins. So football, Ernie, there's just no dominant teams. I still think Buffalo's the best team in football, but I think on any given Sunday, any team can beat any team. No, yeah, I mean, you've got that correct. I mean, who, like I said, who thought Seattle would be where Seattle is? Who thought the Jets would be where they are? You know, I, uh, even for the Vegas Raiders on the opposite side, I, you, you would figure that they'd be better than a one-win team at this point in the, point of the season from the, looking at the opposite ends. Any team, and and I, I would bet that that Vegas Raiders team could challenge Kansas City, could challenge you know, other teams and you know, be viable in that particular division. Uh, it's it's a crazy year. It's a it's just a crazy. But you know what? I like it. It makes it more. It makes it a hell of a lot more interesting. Even though my our, our picks this year have been well, at least my picks. I'll speak for myself. Have been struggling. It is a very interesting, very intriguing year. And you know, and with all these injuries and for protecting players, you know, uh, it makes it more of a gamble because so many players are out of the games now. I mean. Uh, having depth on that roster really matters now. Now you gotta have a. You can't just have good starters. You have to have quality backups to where the next man up can still continue to play. Because, I mean, this is pro- a, probably a byproduct of that. You know, everybody's worried about injuries, concussions, and whatnot. You got to have that deep roster. You got to have people who are in there who know how to uh, scheme against you know other teams. But it makes it a lot more interesting as far as an NFL fan is concerned. It does. And week six ends tomorrow with the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are giving four and a half. I like the Chargers tomorrow. I don't think Denver has shown anything that they can compete and score with the Chargers. I need the Chargers to score a lot of points because I need Justin Herbert to (laughs) carry me to a fantasy victory this week. I got him as my quarterback in two different leagues. He's got to go for 40, 50 points in order for me to pull off my fantasy win. This week, <laughs> I, you know what? I still think the Chargers. I think he can do that, and the char- It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Russell Wilson just has that great game and still beats the Chargers. Something's wrong with the Chargers. They, I mean, they've they've only lost two games this season. They're three. Are, are they three and two? If they're I three think? and two. Yeah, they're three and two. To me, they they shouldn't be three and two. They 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 should be the undefeated team of the uh, or at least one lost team. Uh, I anticipate that the Chargers. Should win big, given Russell Wilson's struggles this year. I anticipated Russell Wilson to actually be playing a lot better than he's been playing this year. It's been well documented, uh, his struggles, you know, switching from Seattle uh, to Denver. Uh, but that's just one person. The San Diego Chargers, I mean, the San Diego Chargers, I keep on saying it. The LA Chargers right now just have that better team. Whether it, uh, I mean, you, you, can, you can have a marginal game from Herbert. Uh, as long as Eckler goes out, as as long as uh, Bosa can have a well, Bosa's out. He's out ten weeks, and okay. I think that's part of the problem. Okay, so that's part. Of, but there's defense yeah. is still stacked. Is basically what I'm trying to say. They have a number of players out there uh, that should be able to step up. To me, it hasn't equated, in my opinion. If this game is a game for them to see, because we're one exactly one third into the season. This game should show the prowess of the L.A. Chargers. I expect them to roll tomorrow. I, I mean, I expect them to win, and, and I'm a little less hard on the Chargers because they've been decimated by injuries to me. They lost Bosa for 10 weeks. They lost their left tackle. They lost their center. They lost their right guard. Uh, they lost Keenan Allen in the first week of the year, and their quarterback is playing with broken rib cartilage, um, and yet they're still 3-2. and two. They could be, if they would have win tomorrow, they could be 4-2 and two and tied for first place in the AFC West 
with all of those injuries, assuming most of them come back. I know Bosa is not going to come back for the foreseeable future, but if they get Keenan Allen back, they get their line relatively healthy and Herbert healthy, um, you could see the Chargers go on a little bit of a run here and give the Chiefs all they can handle in the AFC West. Yeah, they're, they're going to need to because their wins have been more, uh, really not that impressive. Their losses have been very disappointing losses. I mean, 3-2 and two is 3-2. and two. It's to me, it's not a three and two that I expected from what I thought would be a dominant team, especially like what I said, they have very good players that can actually make up for other, you know, for 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 other holes in there. So hopefully the Chargers turn it around. At least that's my hope. That's my anticipation that the Chargers should make tomorrow's Monday night, in my opinion. If it goes into the fourth quarter uh, close, uh, I, I, I'd be scared if I was a Charger fan with all those injuries. Win or lose, Chargers, I could care less. Justin Herbert go for four touchdowns <laughs> and 350. That's all that we care about for tomorrow. Again, you're listening to Monty and Ernie. We are the sports rivals. We're going to go through our top five right now. We're going to roll through our top five, and we're going to roll through our uh, recap of our picks for this week and, and, and next week, especially this week, because the combined Ernie and I went 0-4. We did agree on one game. So let's do that first. I had Cleveland over New England. I had Green Bay over the Jets. He had Green Bay over the Jets. He had Dallas plus the five. If you took our our teams and you put it in a parlay, then you lost a lot of money. (laughs) We're going to do our best to come back with some picks. But let me roll through my top five because there's not a lot of changes despite some losses. For me, the Bills are still number one. They did nothing today to knock them off that throne. Eagles are still number two. This is where Ernie will disagree with me, but I still believe Kansas City is my number three team. I think losing a squeaker at home to what I believe is the best team in football does not drop them. I have Kansas City at three. I have Minnesota at four. Even if Minnesota's five and one, and I don't know how good they really are. Mm-hmm. I really don't know how good they really are. But their only loss is on Monday Night Football at Philadelphia. You got to give them credit. I have them there. And at number five, I actually cheat. I have a tie. I have Dallas and the Giants tied. I know the Giants are five and one. Dallas with the loss today is four and two. But Dallas did go to the Giants and beat them. Right. That's the Giants' only loss. So it's hard for me. My eyes tell me Dallas is better. And they have Dak coming back next week. So I have them tied there. So Bills, Eagles, KC, Minnesota, and Dallas Giants tied for five. What about you? I can't complain. I mean, my, my teams are basically the same top five from last week. I had Philadelphia, KC, Buffalo, Dallas, and Minnesota last week. My number one still remains Philadelphia. They haven't lost, even though I don't think they're the best team. I got to give them that number one. They're the only undefeated team. And, you know, it, that's, just, that's just the way it rolls right now. Buffalo moved up to Kansas, uh, up to the number two spot, beating Kansas City. Kansas City was my number two. Buffalo was three. So they move up. Minnesota, by default, moves up over all of them. And they're my number three team. Kansas City drops from number two uh, to number four in my poll. And Dallas drops from uh, four to five. I do believe that, like what you said, that loss, I mean, that win against the Giants holds a lot in my thinking in regards to that. So I have the Dallas Cowboys there, even though I believe that the Giants... No, I don't believe that the Giants are better than Dallas deserves that number five spot, in my opinion. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I do agree. But the Giants at five and one, one of the best stories so far. I think right now, coach of the year is coming down to Brian Dable and Robert Sala. The two New York teams that have been doormats for a number of years. I agree. Rising to the top, which is good for football. Mm-hmm. When the New York teams are relevant, it is good for football. So, gang, tell us what you think. You know, on social media, I want to know what your top five is. Sports Rivals Podcast at IG and Facebook Sports Rivals uh, Pod on Twitter Let us know who your top five teams are You know, I think we're starting to get some clarity At least record-wise Who the top five teams are But various opinions can take shape after that With virtually the whole league at three and three or worse So let's get into our picks Again, we recapped our pathetic week this year This week, I started off six and two Getting a little bit big head, humbled with an 0-4 the last two weeks. 
And gang, not one of those four has been close. <laughs> like I'm taking favorites that are losing by 20 points. So I am embarrassed by my picks for the last two weeks. Here are my thoughts for next week. I'm going to try my best to turn it around and get this thing going in a positive direction. I'm going with Arizona minus two over New Orleans. This is a Thursday night game. Here's my thought. Arizona hasn't won at home yet. Mm -hmm. Arizona has been relatively struggling. But DeAndre Hopkins finished his six-game suspension for PEDs. He will be back on Thursday. And Kyler Murray is a completely different quarterback when DeAndre Hopkins is there. The Saints are still playing with all of their wide receivers hurt. Um, They have injuries to their secondary. Lattimore didn't play today. They're still playing with Dalton. Um, I expect Arizona to respond to DeAndre Hopkins coming back and win this game by seven plus points. I got Arizona minus two. And then Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas minus seven over the Detroit Lions. Detroit had a bye this week. 26-0 last week, shellacking at New England. I just know as a former Ram, Jared Goff does not handle pressure well. And Dallas can get after the quarterback. I think if the Patriots can shut them out, I think Dallas is going to follow some of that recipe. I think it's going to be hard um, for Detroit to score more than 17 to 20 points against Dallas. And I think Dallas responds to Dak Prescott coming back. It's going to be a lot of emotion. I think Dallas covers the seven-point spread. Of the two, I like Arizona better than Dallas. But looking at all the games, there's not a whole lot out there. So Dallas would be my second pick, Arizona my first pick. Where are you going with your two, Ernie? Okay, I, I would put commentary yours, but then I went 0-2, so I don't, have, I don't have the right to actually say anything against your picks. <laughs> <laughs> but here I go, okay? Uh, I'm, my first pick is uh, I have the Kansas City uh, Chiefs at San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is just beat up, folks. And I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to come back pissed off next week. They are two-and-a-half-point dogs, I mean favorites, going into San Francisco. I just don't think San Francisco can really slow down Kansas City. I think uh, if they had their team in, you know, their defense all in check, I think they could put the pressure that the Buffalo Bills did uh, in, in this afternoon's game. Uh, I just don't think San Francisco can do that. I think Mahomes bounces back and take the Kansas City Chiefs uh, minus two and a half at San Francisco. My second game, uh, and I might be part homer on top of this, but I'm going with Pittsburgh at Miami. Pittsburgh is plus six in this game. Miami is on a six-game, I mean six-game, a three-game losing streak. Pittsburgh uh, won a very emotional game at home against their lifetime nemesis, Tom Brady, I believe they ride that momentum. Pittsburgh has Brian Flores on their coaching staff. Brian Flores being the former uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, I believe. Some of the schemes still, at least the personnel, uh, he is very familiar with. I believe that little edge, that little insight uh, gives them... Uh, you know, some type of advantage. I believe they cover the spread. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually even win this game. Tua coming off of that uh, concussion, even if he's a, if he's available to play, I think he comes back maybe a little, uh, not shell-shocked, but, you know, a little conservative because uh, Pittsburgh's rush looks to be back. They had two sacks today with, uh, with Highsmith being at least one of the leaders in the NFL with six and a half sacks on the season. So take the Pittsburgh Steelers plus six at Miami. All right. So Ernie's got the Steelers plus the six uh, over the Miami Dolphins. That's going to be interesting because, again, as Hawaii you know, personalities, we are all for Tua. Except when they play our team. So Ernie's <laughs> going to hope that... He, actually, Ernie's hoping that Tua sits out one more week so he doesn't have any well, any me, reason not to cheer for Tua. Well, I, I, Tyson Alu-Alu is on the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that, that, that I'll say that that offsets it. <laughs> <laughs> but a big win for... for I mean, a, a, a very important game for both teams. So that's our picks right now, gang. If you've been following us, again, we are on a downtrend. So if you believe that all bad things have to turn around, then stick with us. I certainly hope 
that Ernie's Chiefs pick over the 49ers is accurate <laughs> because I need the 49ers to lose. And, and they really are beat up. I mean, with Bosa out, the entire starting defensive line was out. Um, if they're going to be out again next week with the Chiefs offensive line, it's going to be very difficult for them to put any pressure on the Chiefs. So I certainly hope that you're right there. So again, that's Ernie. I'm Monty. We are the sports rivals. And I'm going to transfer... Uh, Talk now to my closing thought. Now, Ernie, we both are huge NBA fans. I think Ernie's a bigger NBA fan right now because his team's better than my team. (laughs) But the NBA season starts this week, so we wanted to spit out there our picks for um, who we think are going to be the top teams in each conference and who we expect to represent the the East and the West and who we think will win it all. So I will go first. I'm going to spit out. I'm actually going to go 10 deep. um, But I'm going to... Real quick, I got the Bucks at number one, the Celtics at number two, the Sixers at three, Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell now joining Garland and the boys down low at number four. I think the Hawks with DeJounte Murray joining with Trey Young puts them at number five. The Nets at six with all their question marks. A lot of talent, a lot of chemistry issues. The Heat at seven, the Bulls at eight, Toronto at nine, Knicks at ten. So what's crazy is that the only thing that I feel really good about is the Bucks at one. So clearly the Bucks <laughs> for me are the favorites in the East. I think they will represent the East uh, in the NBA finals. I really like the Celtics. I think the Celtics have a tremendous amount of talent. I love the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. But the Imi Udoka thing for me is a little bit concerning. They're playing with an assistant coach. Maybe he's going to be gangbusters. Maybe he's going to be the best coach. But I think for me, it creates at least a question um, that you never know until you see what somebody does. So I have the Celtics at two. The Sixers could be a good regular season team. James Harden looks great. Lost a lot of weight. Looks good. I just don't know that's going to translate into playoff success. Cleveland and the Hawks are fascinating to me. I think Cleveland could be a real surprise team. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, two all-NBA, at least all-star caliber backcourt. That's about as good of a backcourt as you're going to see in the East. Um, And then those guys down low, you're a huge fan of the rookie of the year last year or should have been the rookie of the year last year. Mobley. Mobley and then Jared uh, Jared Allen down low. I think they they are loaded. And I'm fascinated to see DeJounte Murray play with Trey Young. What is that going to do? Because Murray fills all the gaps that Trey Young has. Exactly. So it'll take a lot of the pressure away from Trey Young to create. He can focus more on shooting. Uh, I think DeJounte Murray there is fascinating. If they can stay healthy with Capella, Collins, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, I think they can be fascinating. So those are my top five. A lot of people are going to say, what? No KD, no Kyrie, no Ben Simmons. That team could be a disaster. Or they could be number one. I mean, that's the reality of the talent, the physical talent that they have. Uh, The Heat, another team with a tremendous amount of talent. So many question marks. So many injury things. Can can Butler stay healthy? Can Lowry stay healthy? Uh, Too many questions there. And then Bulls, Toronto, and the Knicks, who cares? In the West for me, you know what? Let Let me stop there. Let's unpack the East first. Let's go to you, Ernie. For who do you think is going to run the East? Okay, well, um, my my thought process in regards to who's going to run the East in the regular season versus who's going to represent in the playoffs, two different things. I think the Philadelphia 76ers are actually going to be the number one seed after the regular season. Foreshadowing, they're not going to represent the East. I have number two, the Boston Celtics. I think they're going to come in second. I have Milwaukee at third. The Miami Heat at fourth. I just believe that Spolstra is too good of a coach. He is the Bill Belichick of the NBA. He takes average teams and he just makes them look a lot better. The Nets are the most talented team, but they're number five. You know, <laughs> Atlanta, like you said, with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young out there, a lot of talent. They fell back last year. They move up a little. I still think they uh, they don't have that cohesion that I saw 
two years ago when I think they caught the league by surprise. I think now that the league now sees them, who they, you know, the talent that they really are, I think they, they, they play a lot better for them. The league plays for competition. Atlanta uh, comes in at number, uh, what is that, number, number five? Si- number six for me. I like Cleveland. I just, they just get hurt a lot. For some reason, they get hurt a lot. Uh, I like the addition that they, uh, that, that you know, uh, that that they they've made with that current core out there. They're a long team, and I really, if if Allen and Mobley stay together and they can become healthy, uh, there's they could be as high as number three. Mm-hmm. I'm just going with the law of average over there. They're number seven. Toronto is another long team. They have a really good coach in Nick Nurse. Uh, they're very young right now. I think there's too much pressure on Siakam uh, out there. He drops, in my opinion. He wants to be a top five player. I don't think he's a top 25 player. I'm sorry, Toronto fans. Just as I, I, I call it like I see it. Uh, they fall in eighth for me. And I have the outsides looking at, uh, with Chicago. I think Chicago is another one of those injury-plagued teams. Uh, the, the loss of... Uh, Lamelo out there, at least for the start of the season, will uh, will take its toll. I don't think they got a really true point guard out there. They they have a a decent defense. They have a lot of offense, but I think they don't have it all together. I think you know uh, Caruso brings the defense, but he really doesn't bring the offense at the same time. Uh, you know, their other core pieces over there probably are good in offense. Uh, but not good on defense, so they bring up. They're the outside looking in. Okay, so you said you don't. You the Sixers will win the regular season, but not the postseason. I have the Bucks representing the East as my number one team. Who do you think goes to the NBA Finals? It's 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 it's, it's got to, it's it's my Boston Celtics, and, okay. I'm, I'm, I, and I'm biased on top of this. I know I really agree with you in regards to uh, I the Ime Doka thing. I really think that Brogdon. Acquisition was tremendous, and even though Boston lost to the Golden State Warriors last year, Tatum was hurt. You saw that uh, Rob Williams, who had two surgeries in the offseason, came back way too early. I would say he was at sixty percent. And to show you even further on top of that, Rob Williams is is fourth in the odds to win Defensive Player of the Year, and everybody knows he's not coming back until till December. So at that, best. you know, and he's the, and he at best, and he's still fourth on the defense of the, that's what Vegas is saying over Marcus Smart, who is the, the, the reigning defensive MVP. That defense is going to be set. The addition of Malcolm Brogdon adds a hell of a lot. I believe Ime Doka last year brought in the system. They bought in. It doesn't take much adjustment other than personnel. You've seen a number of NBA coaches win in their first year the NBA championships. I mean, uh, you got, you had Nick Nurse with the with uh, uh, the with Toronto. Uh, you you had oh, what is his name for the Cleveland Cavaliers when they had LeBron? Tyron Lue. Yeah, Tyron Lue. I mean, there are a number of coaches out there. You just need the talent, and I believe Boston has that with two superstars. I say two superstars. Everybody knows Tatum. Jalen Brown will be a superstar this year. He looked like that. He was the best player in the NBA Finals uh, series against the Golden State Warriors. He looked like that during the preseason uh, for the Boston Celtics. He will move into superstar status. All right, so you can see that Ernie's fired up about his Boston Celtics. For me, I go with the best player in the (laughs) NBA in Giannis. I think Chris Middleton's injury last year is the only reason the Bucs didn't go last year. Uh, If Chris Middleton can stay healthy, I think they go. So let's move through the West real quick because we're pushing up on an hour already. I've got the Warriors 1, the Clippers 2, the Nuggets 3, Memphis 4, New Orleans 5, Phoenix dropping to 6 with their... um, you know, a lot of negativity surrounding yeah. that team. <laughs> yeah. Dallas at seven, Minnesota eight, Lakers nine, Kings ten. Now, here's the thing. New Orleans at five is if Zion stays healthy for the entire year, which is a big if. Not going to happen. <laughs> but anything in this team from, from two, I think the Warriors are set at one. I believe they're the best team in the NBA. I think that they they return the current. They return everyone. They re-sign Andrew Wiggins, who takes only a four-year, $109 million contract. He takes a 
cheap contract to stay there. They re-signed Poole four years, $140 million. Everybody's coming back. The only thing that could be a problem is if the Draymond Green pool thing becomes a distraction. I think Kaminga gets better. I think Wiseman gets better. Uh, they have so much depth. Now, could the young guys get derailed from here or there? Maybe. But they go 12 deep. And no other team, I think, really goes 12 deep to the caliber of Golden State. So I have them as my clear one. So I think it's going to be the Bucks and the Warriors in the championship. But from 2 to 10, actually not 2 to 10, from 2 to 8, the Clippers, can we really count on Kawhi? Ah, I don't know. The Nuggets, can we really count on Jamal Murray and more importantly, Michael Porter? Um, if those two are healthy, they could be there. If not, I could see Minnesota with Edwards developing and Gobert there pumping up. Can you ever count Luka Doncic out with Christian Wood? They could be anywhere. So I think the West is a complete crapshoot other than the fact that I really like the Golden State Warriors. How about you, Ernie? Okay. For my top, I, I'm going to break the West down into two tiers. And my first tier is Denver, Clippers, Golden State Warriors, and Memphis. Any one of those fours would not surprise me uh, if they represented the West. So my, it's my same four. So you have the same four, four as me. As, as you, okay. And then I have Dallas, Phoenix, the Lakers, Minnesota, the New Orleans, Pelicans. I Zion is questionable for the opening of the season. So as far as... Him staying healthy throughout the season, good luck on top of that. I, I, I'm really hoping and praying, crossing my fingers, that he does play. He just makes the game so much, so exciting. And if he did play a full NBA season, that guy would be, that guy could be vying for, for MVP. Zion is that good. Uh, but uh, as far as who I think will represent uh, the West in the finals, I agree with you, everything on Golden State. I actually think, though, however that they did lose somebody. I, I saw Gary Payton Jr. play during that playoffs. He was very important. He shut down, he, well, he didn't shut down Jason Tatum. Even though Jason Tatum was, it was limited, he limited Jason Tatum. He limited Jason Tatum. He had a terrible season, even though he was hurt. A lot of that has to do with Gary Payton. Uh, they lose him. Uh, defense needs to be played. I don't think those youngsters that you've mentioned are here yet. I believe they have the potential to be there. We're talking about Wiseman, Kamingo, and Moody. Uh, right now, the way it looks right now, I think it's only Wiseman. I think Kaminga and Moody, I still wouldn't start them. Uh, at least on a championship team. I still think they come off the bench. Although they do have the potential... Uh, I'd still take Gary Payton over both of them. Oh, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> not long term. I mean, I think, I not think long term. I'm not saying long yeah. term, so don't crucify me. Uh, for all the uh, Golden State Warriors fan. I am not saying by contract. I'm saying in a championship game series, would you play Gary Payton Jr. or would you play Moody? I, 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 I would put my money on that most coaches would, would, would pick Gary Payton Jr., I think that they're a little bit aged. I still, I wouldn't, let's just say this. I, I put them into tears saying that even Memphis could win. I just believe that Denver, if they can remain healthy, like you mentioned, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., they brought in Bruce Brown Jr. from the Nets. He played, he was their third best player on that team. They have Aaron uh, Gordon. Bones Highland, their rookie from last year, was playing Terrific. They have Ish Smith and your boy KCP. Yeah, KCP. That's a deep team. Yeah. And the two-time MVP. And I exactly. I haven't mentioned the two-time MVP. I like that team. Clippers could win it too. I mean, they brought in John Wall, but who knows what John Wall looks like? I mean, that's that's anybody's guess. If he is the old John Wall. I think they got a chance. I mean, they have Terrence Mann, Marcus Moore. They brought in Batum. They have Covington. That is also, and, and, you know, and with the two supposed best wings, even though I don't think they, I, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum would match them, uh, are on that team. They could put Memphis is young and talented and young and talented, and they have John Morant. John Morant, for some reason, 
uh, produced a worse record when he was playing than when he was injured, which shows you how good that Memphis team is. If John Moran continues that way and, and finds a way where he can bridge that, where, where they build that gap, where they actually, uh, the team actually gets, has a better record when he plays, that team who finished second in the West could challenge. So those are my, those are my four teams. I don't see Dallas coming in. I, I do believe Christian Wood is an improvement uh, position-wise, you know, over the loss of Brunson. So if you have to pick one, though, it's Denver? It's Denver-Boston for you? I, 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 I cannot say because it, it all comes down to injury. If everybody remained healthy, I picked Denver. Okay, so Ernie's got, assuming that that's the way, Ernie's got Boston and the Nuggets in the finals. I'm going to go with the Bucks and the Warriors in the finals. NBA season kicks off this week. You can see his excitement and his passion. <laughs> I am not anywhere near that passionate because I am my Lakers. If everything goes perfectly, are a 45 to 50 win team. And that's with LeBron staying healthy and AD staying healthy. They just don't have the goods to compete in the West, I I believe. So Ernie's got the Celtics and the Nuggets. I'll go Golden State and Milwaukee. Tell us what you think at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We'd love you NBA fans to share your thoughts. And Hawaii Sports Radio Network, you do carry the Clipper games. So you listeners there, are you really Clipper fans? Are, are there any Clipper fans here in Hawaii with the Lakers here? Um, I hope not. But again, tune in on Monday through Fridays with Kule and Ala, Alan Mia on the Wake Up in the Den on Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It's 95.1 FM and 760 AM on the AM dial. Ernie, anything else you want to cover today? We were packed with all sports. I am good. All right, gang. Until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Hey.